Podcast City Network. The Everett Lee Show. Welcome to another episode of The Everett Lee Show. I'm The Everett Lee. Today on the episode, it's happy hour. That's right. Independent wrestler happy hour stops back by and discussed a number of topics with myself. We discuss what he's been doing with being sponsored by his new brewing company that sponsored him. And he talks about upcoming events to look forward to this year in 2021. And also the setback from 2020 with everything that went on with the pandemic. And of course, we discuss when he was on Deathmatch Wrestle podcast. We talked about that. And we talk about movies, music, and what we've been watching on TV. And Happy Hour is such a great guest. Every time he comes on, it's always Happy Hour with Happy Hour. And before we get on to that segment, I do want to thank everyone for supporting the Everett Lee Show. I appreciate it so much. I put content, or have content, excuse me, put up on the Everett Lee Show Facebook page almost every other day on different things, different topics. You should check that out when you have time. It's mostly stuff that I have put up and put out there that I'm into right now at the moment. But other than that, you can listen to the podcast on Podbeam, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and on Amazon Music. And Every Lee Show has merchandise. Podcast City Network. Head over to podcastcity.net. Over in the shop section, pick yourself up an Every Lee Show hat, t-shirt, and other accessories while you're there. And check out all the other content over on Podcast City Network with all the other great shows that's on the network. If you're into sports, wrestling, pop culture, we have it all. And they have merchandise on the Podcasting Network shop section. Let's get on to this week's guest interview with independent wrestler Happy Hour. Ladies and gentlemen, guess what? For a second week in a row, the video software crashed, even with the new webcam. But my guest... He don't mind that because as long as we have a conversation and a nice cold one, which I know he has and I have right here, everything is all great. I'm going to welcome back to the Everett Lee Show for his first appearance for 2021, none other than Independent Wrestler Happy Hour. <laughs> How Everett you- Lee. Everett Lee, what a return. What a way to come back to 2021. This time I am drinking uh, my own product, so Deep Obsession IPA from 412 Brewing. Uh, So I figure, you know what? Yeah, if I'm going to be drinking a beverage on this podcast, I better be drinking my own products, right? Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I did catch the episode when you last year – David C. Russell, Deathmatch Russell podcast. He closed out 2020, and you mm-hmm. were his last guest of the year there. And I went back and I watched that. I watched that episode, and congratulations on 
finally getting your new your own product, man. What uh, hold that up to the camera again? I want to explain this since we're just audio there. Sure. That is called Deep Obsessions 412 Brewing. Wow, 7.5. Wow. What a yeah. kick. What a kick. <laughs> tell me tell me about that and tell uh, tell the listeners about that there. Sure. So basically, we actually have uh, this is actually the big brother version of our Obsession IPA. So the Obsession IPA is the lower ABV ber- version of that, uh, which is about 4.7, 4.8% ABV, you know, about the ballpark of your average beer. And then uh, we're like, you know what, we want to do a big boy version of that. So Deep Obsession is the uh, 7.5% version, because uh, basically the uh, craft beer lingo is a beer that's low ABV that you can crush is a sessionable beer. So basically, you've got a session that you're crushing beers. So that's why it's obsession, and this is deep obsession. <laughs> that's that's Going amazing. Deep on this one. <laughs> yeah, that's seven point five. Man, you better be crushing something. You better be crushing something there. <laughs> I got tonight. I got a uh, Mike's Hard Strawberry. <laughs> to me, I nicknamed this Rawberry because it just. It it's raw. Um, I've been a fan of Mike's for forever. Mm-hmm. I remember remember the first time I seen a Mike's hard lemonade in a store. I said mm-hmm. to myself, Mike's hard lemonade is this like like hard like squeezed processed hard you know to give that hard lemon lemonade feel. But come to find out, it was alcohol. And right. I was with my uncle. We were I was up in Ohio. And we were going to uh, Cleveland or coming back, going back to Cambridge. And he stopped mm-hmm. at the gas station and he walked in there and he seen that. And he picked it up and went home. And he sat there and he popped it open. He's like, wow. He said, son, you got to take a sip of this. So I took a sip <laughs> of it. I was like, wow. He's like, that's lemonade with a kick there, boy. <laughs> <laughs> he said, "This ain't oh, this ain't Grandma's man. lemonade right here." <laughs> that ain't your Grandma's lemonade, that's for sure. Nope, nope, no. But, that... uh, no, I, I mean, you heard that last Deathmatch Russell uh, podcast. It, you know. I can't remember. I think we were all over the map on that one. We were just like uh, the banter was just everywhere and i'm just like you know what did we even discuss anything meaningful other than intergender bonanza we probably didn't (laughs) (laughs) he was excited about that i that's what i got from that episode he was excited about that because he got to see you and you guys got to hang out a little bit after after that right there that was well actually no the december episode he didn't get to go to intergender bonanza in december oh that's right uh, we were recapping uh the event uh, since uh, that was one of the most fun uh, intergender bonanzas. I mean, mind you, I've only been a part of three, but that was so much fun. It was me and the American bombshell Danny Gray against um, the King of Smokes, Frankie Picard, and Sean Henderson. Oh, my God. That was one of the most ridiculous things I was ever a part of and so much fun at the same time. And uh, I got to say, you know, double shout-out to Frankie Picard. I love that guy. I love that guy. I will work that guy anytime, anywhere. I could be 80 years old, and I will agree to work him. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Nursing home death match. <laughs> oh, my God. 
That reminds me. Enter on a pole match. As long as it's not Viagra on a pole match, we're all good. <laughs> yeah, they, we already had that. Wasn't that freaking uh, Shane Douglas and Billy Kidman or something? Yeah, WCW. Yeah, back yeah. back yeah. when back in the Vince Russo days, right? <laughs> yeah, Russo when he was when he was running that. Him and Ed uh, Ed uh, Ferrera uh, yeah. went into yeah. WCW after they left WWE WWF and went over there, and pretty much that was t- towards the end of WCW, but. There were some crazy moments. You, mm-hmm. as crazy and ridiculous as the stuff was with WCW. Yeah, I, I think you know. Uh, here's the thing. I feel like uh, I have to take a moment and uh, send some respect to David Arquette because yes. uh, he actually wanted to make good on the fact that uh, you know it was a mockery that he was WCW champ back then. And he put in the work, like in the last few years, he legit put in the work, got in incredible shape, and he can work. He can really work, and if nothing else, he wants to make sure that his legacy is not a joke. Right. You know, and I respect that. 100%, I absolutely respect that. Though Vince Russo as WCW champion, oh my God. No. That, 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 that's going to be the stain that will never leave. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you right there. Now, with David Arquette, when he had that one match, I forget who it was at the uh, at that event in Los Angeles. Pretty much that what happened to him there that during that hardcore match where he bled and everything. That the one with Nick Gage. Yeah, that right there. That pretty much made you forget about it him being in WCW and being world heavyweight champion because that right there, it showed that this guy put in a hundred percent and wanted to take it serious. How do you, how do you feel about when someone approaches the business and they show that they want to put a hundred percent in, not just want to just do it, but they want to go 110%. How do you feel about people that put in 110% compared to not putting in 100%. Well, you know, one of uh, first things first, uh, you know, I respect anybody who puts in the work. You know, to go into to go into wrestling, uh, it's tough because, you know, a lot of us uh, who start in it, we have all sorts of things going on in our lives. You know, n- 90% of wrestlers don't come from, uh, you know, stable situations. We're yeah. not like, you know, we don't have master. Uh, or I'm sorry, no, we don't have like PhDs or doctorates. And we're like, you know what? I just want to do a sudden shift. I come from a lot of wealth, and I'm just going to suddenly shift into pro wrestling. That almost never happens. Uh, usually what happens is some situation, there's some trauma, some difficult uh you know, development in growing up, home life is uh, difficult. You know, uh, somehow, some way, uh, you stumble into wrestling, and for some people, it uh, creates a focus. You know, for some people, there are some people that need the military, and the military has shaped them or regimented them uh, into kind of uh, finding themselves. 
because they didn't have a source, they didn't have role models, they didn't have guidance, they didn't have you know a path, and that uh, there was a discipline or a focus that was put upon them that uh, got them in line. I mean, in my case, you know, it's funny. I kind of backed into wrestling. I actually had a I had a really weird uh, childhood. My parents were white-collar criminals, and uh, and I say they were white-collar criminals. They're dead. They never uh, paid a penalty for what they did. Uh, you know, as far as illegal acquisition of money and money laundering. And I left home at 18. I left home at 18 because it was a really screwed-up uh, household. And I was an when I was a teenager, I was an unwitting drug mule. As in, like, uh, you know, in New York City, I had no idea I was being both a drug mule and running deposit, running like huge cash deposits to the bank. And there were rival gangs or you know rival uh, turf drug lords keeping eyes on me. You know, 15-year-old me just kind of like do 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 taking this envelope to the bank, and I had no idea that there were eyes on me the whole time. And this is not like the nice part of Bronx. This is like the freaking ghetto. You know, like you know. Uh, the, this is like Puerto Rican town. Right. So, uh, yeah. And 15-year-old me didn't know shit uh, Didn't know shit from Sherlock, and I'm just like, you know, whatever. And there were probably, you know, sights set on me, you know, bullets uh, ready to go if the opportunity was it. But fortunately, I did all of this during the day, so uh, that's probably the only saving grace I had. Uh but, you know, my parents are dead. I don't have to think about that. But it's one of those things that I think about that kind of led me on the path I went. I left home at 18. I uh, took a baseball scholarship, and then I partied my way out of it. And when I flunked out, uh, you know, I was working odd jobs. I was doing things like uh, manual labor, security. And then one guy's like, hey, you've got the size, build, and condition to be... Uh, pro wrestler. You want to be a pro wrestler? You can make some money. And I was like, yeah, I'll do that. I'll make some money. And that's how I backed into it. It's not like I grew up obsessed with wrestling. It's not like I had this dream of pro wrestling. I kind of backed into it that way because someone found me. Wrestling found me instead of the other way around. Right. And that's what I got into it. So everybody has some sort of backstory that brought them into wrestling. You're not... It's basically probably like one in a hundred when you find a guy that's like, oh, I had a perfectly stable home life. Uh, my parents were very well-to-do. Uh, you know, we were a very boring, very average uh, family, but we were happy together. That's not how you end up in wrestling 99 times out of 100. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I agree with you right there. It's just under under circumstances, people find their way into wrestling and know wrestling, I don't know if you've heard this. I, I think it might have been you. Wrestling has actually saved people's lives, Dave. Mm -hmm. Wrestling has gotten people off of, off of uh, you know, in bad situations, um, bat, off of bad habits, and put them on a better path and led them, you know, they've had a successful in their own right, successful careers in the squared circle. And I I think that's great when wrestling can do that. It can keep a troubled kid off the streets getting in sure. trouble and you know, putting them on that path there to actually do something with yourselves, do something with with yourselves and just get in the ring there and just the athleticism. <laughs> 
I can't even say that word. Athleticism. <laughs> <laughs> I've uh, I, I sound like Mike Tyson there trying to say uh, ludicrous there. <laughs> I was thinking that back with like Living Color there. I don't know if you remember Living Color back in the day when the Wayne's Brothers was doing th- uh, the parody of Three Men and a and a Baby. It was uh, three champs and a girl and a and a baby. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah, one of them was Mike Tyson. Tyson. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 was that was great. You're talking talking about being in the in the ghetto in the Bronx and stuff. Recently on the radio, I was listening to. They were talking about Guns N' Roses. I mm-hmm. I enjoy Guns N' Roses music. I enjoy what they what they done with uh, Appetite for Destruction to Illusion yep. Use Your Illusions One and Two. two yep. And I don't know. Have you heard about the story about how Axel wrote the lyrics to Welcome to the Jungle? I don't know if you've. Familiar I did not. With no. That. He was. I forget where he was at, but he was going to go to on his way to L.A. But he ended up on a Greyhound. He ended up in the New York, in the in the Bronx, and he got off the bus there, and he was in the ghetto. And he started walking <laughs> around, and he realized that he was the only uh, tall, long hair, skinny guy, white, skinny guy in the ghetto there. And mm-hmm. someone said, "said You're not from around here. Yeah, you're in the jungle." <laughs> and then that's how he got the idea for writing "Welcome to the Jungle." The, the lyrics and stuff. If you listen to it there and uh, have an experience, you're in the jungle, there. baby. Yeah. You're gonna die. <laughs> That's what he thought, man. <laughs> That's what he thought. He's like, I'm in the jungle. I'm in the wrong place. I'm I'm meant to go to L.A., not New York. But I think he was going up there to check it out first before he went to L.A. Mm-hmm. to make sure this is where he wanted to do his thing at. But he ended right. up hitting on the bus and going out to L.A. There from I think it was. He's from Minnesota, Milwaukee, somewhere around in there, and that's where he sounds about, somewhere in the Midwest. Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. Yes, but that's how he wrote the lyrics to "Welcome to the Jungle." His experience in uh, New York. Rest in peace, Bam Bam Bigelow. Bam Bam Bigelow, man, beast from the east. That man scared mm-hmm. me as a child. Happy, <laughs> he did. Oh, dude! Whoa, he when did. a guy that size can move like he did. Yeah. They're like, holy crap. <laughs> There's no escape. <laughs> there is. There is no escape. He he scared me as a kid. That's when he went to the WWF at the time. He went mm-hmm. there, and they had the thing I remember as a kid when who was going to manage Bam Bam Bigelow? And had Oliver the, Humperdinck. Yeah, Oliver Humperdinck. I remember my father cursing at the television saying Oliver Humperdinck and my brother all upset because I forgot who they wanted to have him manage him in the promos where they showed Bam Bam sitting there all intense and that music. That stuff scared me as a kid, man. Just his intensity. <laughs> just a little kid. Just like LOD did. I was just a kid when they when they scared me, man. I mean you, you know, I think to myself, Oliver Humperdinck was just so short lived because he had Bam Bam Bigelow and Paul Orndorff, and that was basically it, and just kind of disappeared soon after that. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all he had. He he just had those two. He had just those two there. And a lot of mm-hmm. people forget that Brother Love first managed The Undertaker before yes. Paul Paul Barron did. A lot of people forget mm-hmm. that. And a lot of people forget that he was originally going to be called Kane The Undertaker. but when Actually, we... he was. I remember watching that uh, episode. It was like, 
the Saturday morning program, uh, he was introduced as Kane the Undertaker. I remember that 100%. <laughs> you remember that? Yes, absolutely. Oh, I no mean, way. I was a I was in my early teens uh, when that happened. <laughs> no way. No way. I remember the first time I seen Undertaker was right after he debuted after Survivor Series. I was at a friend's house, mm -hmm. and we were watching uh -huh. uh, uh, Super Saturday Morning Superstars. I went over to his house. Yeah. I was like, what are you doing, man? I'm watching Superstars. He's like, this yeah, is all in for an hour. Superstars, that's it. Yeah, wrestling superstars. Yeah. <laughs> so we sat. So I sat down with him, and I watched it with him. And seeing everything they were covering about the Undertaker, I said, "Who's this guy?" And he's like, "That's the Undertaker. He's bad, man." And he he's like, "I like him." I was like, "He's so cool." And it, that's when he was doing the rivalry with Hulk Hogan. It started up with Hulk Hogan there. And they were leaning into that match, Undertaker versus Hulk Hogan for the WWF Championship. And I, mm -hmm. I, I got an argument with my friend there. I said, no one's going to beat Hulk. No one beats Hulk because the Hulkamania title is, is vacant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Hulkamania is going to run wild on him, brother. And we went back and forth about it. And then Survivor Series happened. He won the t championship. And I, I say, to me, that was like when Lesnar broke the streak, how that was a shock. That was like when he beat Hogan for the title. That was like the Lesnar mm -hmm. uh, taker streak getting beat back then for me. It was mm -hmm. like, who is this guy? I remember a lot of people, even my brother was like, this dude beat Hulk Hogan. He took the title. It's like, who is this guy? Where is he? Right. It's like, who is he? But, he he had an amazing career. Did you catch the documentaries, uh, Last Ride documentary series that they had about that? I did that? not. You didn't? I did not. You got to watch it, man. You got to okay. watch it. It's it's really good, really insightful. It's just everything that he talks about, even during his last, his during his last, you know, run there, everything he talked about is just so insightful and stuff and everything and. I mean, who would have thought his last match would have been AJ Styles? <laughs> well, you know, that that's a testament to, uh, you know, both uh, how far uh, or how long Taker's career has gone and also the fact that AJ Styles got his due. And I think that's important because I felt like uh, in TNA, AJ Styles was getting buried. He was getting buried into, like, a comedy role. Yeah. And, you know, I... And I feel like WWE gave him a chance to really be taken seriously. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. Because he was a TNA world champ. Then he got buried into just basically being some sidekick. And right. I think that's uh, that was a shame that they did him that way. And then, uh, in fact, there was a promo where Booker T... Uh, uh, basically kind of buried him when after AJ Styles uh, was talking about how, yeah, I used to be a world champion. And <laughs> Booker T said something that just kind of buried him in that promo or that segment. And I was like, oh, that's just so wrong. And, uh, you know, I'm glad that he's AJ is getting his chance to finish out his career with a lot of dignity, respect, and, you know, the spotlight that he deserves. Right. Right, he he's great, man. He he let when he when when he left Impact, 
He went to New Japan. He went to Ring of Honor. I remember mm-hmm. watching his stuff when he was in Ring of Honor, when he was in the Bullet Club, and when he was doing stuff in New Japan. It was great. The stuff he was mm-hmm. doing with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson was just great. And then him coming to WWE. That that was a rumor, but it, no one confirmed it. And I remember watching watching the Royal Rumble that night. I had my nephew mm-hmm. over, his uh, girlfriend, who's his wife now, and my wife. And we're sitting there, and number three, when it hit AJ's music, my nephew just was, like, like sitting next to me, and he, like, stood up, and he hit, had his hand on my shoulders, and he's pointing at the TV going, going AJ Styles, <laughs> AJ Styles, oh, my God. It was just, like, mark, marking out there, and I was like, whoa, this is great. And my wife wasn't familiar, and it's like, who's this guy? And it's like AJ Styles, and then just – just when he was there in the ring, you knew it. I mean, the place exploded. and Yeah. No, it's kind of like, what if Coca-Cola acquired Mountain Dew? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to probably have to start using that now for, as a reference for things. Well, I, <laughs> That's you know, a good reference. Charm, you know, especially, uh, you know, in the true kayfabe days was when another company uh, got a star from a prior company. Yeah. And that that's kind of that's kind of the fun of it. It's like all of a sudden you see Samoa Joe on WWE, you know, you're just like, whoa, someone who you're used to seeing on another program shows up elsewhere. Absolutely. I mean, you know, the problem is it, I don't know if it's so much of a problem, but it's one of those things where as things evolve, as information disseminates, you know, you have the inf- Internet, you have so many uh uh, channels or outlets to share information. You just have to evolve how you uh, manage that information now. So it's like, you know, people have seen behind the curtain. Okay, so now the job is not just uphold uh, the old form of kayfabe. You just have to use that and understand that and create a new way of uh, generating mystique. Uh, you know, part of it at an indie wrestling level, it's, you know, everybody's like, oh, wrestling's fake. No, that just means work tighter to the point where you are actually legit. Like, like my thing, uh, I think uh, Deathmatch Russell will tell you, my invincible beer gut. So uh, part of that is I actually do have a very strong uh, abdominal section. So when I when my opponents hit my gut, I'm just like, hit me hard. No, I mean legit. Like, legit, hit me like you hate me. Uh because I can take it without an issue. I am that. I yeah. I, I'm that guy. Just you know, if he hit me, uh, I'll take it just because I'm too dumb to know better. So, uh, <laughs> but that, because otherwise, I can't sell the invincible beer gut if you're not attacking it like you mean it. Right. 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 Like, I I I like Macho Man Randy Savage. What he said. When I was watching a thing on Ultimate Warrior, Ultimate Warrior, when he he told the best advice he told Ultimate Warrior was over the top. You got to be over the top with everything that you do, and that that way it's just it's it's wrestling. Wrestling's over the top, and you going out there and you know having that reaction and having that crowd see that, and it's just you got to be over the top. And that way, it's it's entertaining, and it's it comes it comes off with a different, you know, different different thing. 
you know. And funny you mention that because I'm actually going to quote one of my trainers, Quinn Magnum, uh, former NWA uh, champion. He said, "There's no such thing as too over the top in wrestling." Right. I I, I that. and uh, I agree. Yeah, and I that's one of those guys that uh, I call coach, and I I'll do whatever he says uh, because he's got the head for uh, wrestling and how it evolves over time. And I'm just like you know, if he says it, I'm gonna do it. Even if I suck at doing it, I'm still going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. One thing I st- I've been starting to understand more with uh, talking, I've been talking to a veteran that's been in like 20, 25 plus years down here in Florida. And he's filled me on a lot of things. I got to watch a independent wrestling show back last year during the summer. And I've sitting oh, sorry right to interrupt, but who's the veteran of 20 to 25 years? Thumper Chapman. The name sounds familiar. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know you've heard of yeah. him. Yeah, he, he ran he ran promotions down here in Florida. He he ran CFWE. It used to be called CFWF. He, right. he uh, I was with him during the summer at an independent show, and I'm sitting next to him. And I'm just listening to this guy just like, pick apart a match and breaking down the psychology of it. That's the one thing I never did understood the psychology. And that afternoon watching those matches and listening to him talk and pointing out things that I've never noticed. I, I gotten drawn into the psychology of why you do things. Why, why do you do this? There's a, there's a reason why you do this and a reason why you do that. You just don't do this or do that. There's a reason why. And I love the psychology of wrestling, just understanding it and listening to him talk and telling, telling me about us having conversations about the psychology of it. When SummerSlam came up and that match with Seth Rollins and Dominic Mysterio, I said to myself, I said, this is going to be a great match because, one, Dominic's going to be taken care of in the ring with a veteran as like Seth Rollins who came up through the indies and has that experience. And Ray Mysterio puts enough trust in the Seth Rollins to put have his son be in that match because this is his mm-hmm. son's first pay-per-view. And watching that match, I watched it. I took everything that thumped thumper told me and talked about discussed and i watched it from that angle great match man great match and when people who just like fans and that don't know that part of wrestling they will they they did not like the match i was seeing all stuff oh i can't stand that you know this yeah why putting them in a match with rollins and all this stuff and i'm like no that was a great match, psychology, because Rollins took care of him and he gave, he he put Dominic over and Dominic returned the favor there and it was it was a great match. He really took care of him in that match. I love that. I, the I key that. is quality, not quantity. Uh, so some of my best or most entertaining matches, I probably use less than 10 moves in the match because uh, you know what people are drawn to if I just basically went textbook from beginning to end I'm basically no different than uh, jobber A or jobber B uh, 
you know, it's not that I have a spectacular win-loss record. Uh, let's be frank. I lose 80% of my matches, and frankly, uh, I'm okay with that because I go out there. I'm there to have a good time. If I'm having a good time, the fans are having a good time with me, and I think that's the important thing because happy hour is like the everyman. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm putting in my day's work, uh, clocking out, having my beer, and, uh, you know, I'm ready for the next day, tackle the next day. And that's, you know, the average person. You know, we put in uh, our work day, clock out, have our beer after work, and then get ready to tackle the next day. And that's basically what you see in the match, you know. Uh, if people can smile, people can laugh. I basically put eight to ten moves in a match, and people remember that. They remember that. Here's the most amazing thing. There are people that have beaten the shit out of me in the ring. People can't remember who beat the shit out of me. But like, oh man, I remember you getting the shit beat out of you. I can't remember who did it. But <laughs> <laughs> one of the people, you know, I'm not going to name names, but he was actually a champion. People couldn't remember the champion. They remembered me. That's all that, uh, all I need to say with regards to, hey, are, are people entertained by happy hour? Yes. Are people entertained by that uh, generic uh, Roy Rage uh, champion? No. <laughs> <laughs> you're entertaining man you are entertaining i've watched i watch your matches i watched it I, I was telling you last year when i first had you on i was watching one match where you and and i i forget the guy you guys were drinking beer and running around the ring and he stole your beer and you chased him around the ring and it was entertaining man the crowd was into it man and i i feel that when when i do watch your matches when you have the crowd hooked into everything that you do, you got them. You could take the crowd here. You could take them there. Once you have the crowd in your hand, it's mm -hmm. to the it, it's the it's to the moon, man. It is. It is. Exactly. And I know, love that about it. you. Know, I I will never profess to be uh, catch as catch can uh, style of wrestler, but you know what? I will show up there. I'm ready to wrestle, I'm ready to drink, I'm ready to share my beer, I'm ready to just have a good time. And that's just it. I want to make that good time infectious. I want my good time to be everybody's good time. Exactly. 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 So you pretty much you pretty much had a good twenty twenty. Most most of it there. I know with everything that was going on with the pandemic, but like towards the end of the year, twenty twenty, you had a you had a pretty happy. <laughs> I want to throw that in there. You per, you had a happy closing to twenty twenty with your with the with the what you were doing, correct? Sure. Well, in general, yeah. I mean, yeah. I got to be a part of Intergender Bonanza Seven, and let me say this: Intergender Bonanza is a gift. Uh, especially for those of us who really value uh, entertainment in addition to wrestling. I think, you know, first and foremost, Stan Styles is one of the most entertaining guys out there. And he also, uh, I mean, he's all about the entertainment, but he also takes wrestling seriously. You see the kind of condition he's in. He's very serious about staying in condition, staying in shape, and, you know, I actually, I used to be in South Carolina uh, prior to coming back up north, and uh, I was in South Carolina a number of years, and I wrestled down there quite a bit. And I actually had him come down for a show down there, and this was 
November 2019, uh, we were on a show together down there. Uh, the show was put on by the amazing Velvet, who I'll get you his contact. He's a great guy to have on a podcast. He actually was a trainee under Susan Green and Judy Martin. Uh, and he's pretty much wrestled uh, so many old-school NWA guys back in the day. So he, he's got some incredible stories, not to mention he can tell you some hilarious stories for me and him, our travel stories and things like that. So, yeah, he, he you can have like a 12-hour a podcast with him and not run out of content. That's how hilarious the guy is. But uh, in any case, so had Stan Styles down there on the show. He took on Kid Riot. Now, Kid Riot is also a Susan Green trainee. He is an up-and-comer, excellent athlete, uh, great shape, great athleticism. And uh, Stan Styles wrestled a mostly serious match with him. And, you know, and that's just a testament to the fact that Stan can go. Yeah. Uh, you know, people recognize him for the shake weight and the pants and all that. But Stan can go, and that was proof. That match was proof that he can go. And uh, the funny thing about that is he also sold the shake weight he brought. <laughs> a a fan bought the shake weight. <laughs> no way. One of the best stories of that show. No way. How do? You, how much did he sell that thing? I don't know, but don't the next know. time you have him on a podcast, you can ask him uh, and mention that I I said he was down in South Carolina and he sold a shake weight. So, yeah, it was an outdoor uh, show. There was like about 250-ish people. It was outside a brewery, of course. And, ah, uh, nice, nice. What was the name of the brewery? Frothy Beard Brewing. What? What is it? Frothy Beard Brewing. It sounds familiar. It sounds familiar. Tell it's down in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, and the only reason it might be familiar with reference to me is I actually uh, put on a few shows at Frothy Beard back like around 2015-ish. Right. So, uh, yeah, that's actually where I won uh, my last uh, – actually, was that my last title? I think that was the last title I held uh, in my wrestling career. I won the Palmetto States Championship for XPW down there at Frothy Beard Brewing. <laughs> no way, no way. Tell me, tell me a little bit more about this. I, I I love hearing stories like this. Tell me a little bit more about this, this event that you. Oh can remember. well, I mean, what it is is uh, this was the prior iteration was Brewery Championship Wrestling, and then before that it was Extreme Pro Wrestling. So uh, basically, uh, one of the I'll uh, send you one. In fact, you know what? I'm actually going to message you one of the event posters, and I bet you will recognize some of the faces on there uh, because it is—it's definitely worth remarking on uh, because uh, that was. Oh, here we go! I found the uh, poster from the Christmas event uh, in uh, Christmas 2014. All right, well, right around. 2014. I bet you you recognize a few of those guys. <laughs> yeah, I got. I have. I have. I have my messenger up right here. Yep. Oh wow. Um, who's Santa? He looks familiar. That looks oh, like Samoa. That's, that's the uh, Governor Buff Burton. Okay. Oh, is that um, one of the guys on the right hand? Is that one of the guys from Crime Time? No, that's familiar. actually Chaos. Chaos. So Chaos was from uh, uh, C4W. And uh, speaking of C4W, which ended up uh, closing down 2015, you know Wheeler Yuta? 
he was a graduate of C4W, and I was there uh, when he graduated. I was there for his uh, debut uh, post uh, graduate. He turned 18 when he graduated. <laughs> wow, that's I, I actually uh, because that's awesome. uh, South Carolina was a licensed state, and we literally had like eight people with licenses. Uh, they decided to do a uh, championship tournament, and instead of wrestling, I ended up Iron Manning as a ref for that show because refs also uh, require a license. So we did a, a tournament, and I Iron Man ref that entire uh, show. <laughs> oh, no way. So South oh, Carolina yeah. is one of the states. I know there's a few states. Um, yeah, Kentucky I'd... does. Virginia does. Uh, South, I believe Alabama, uh, Louisiana does. Um uh, but uh, as far as that poster, so looking toward the bottom, look toward the bottom, uh, actually the left side, you should be able to name three guys on the left-hand side. Three of the four guys on the left-hand side. Oh. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, the guy with the hat and the glasses. Oh, damn, <laughs> he sticks out, and I can't. Why is that my mind? You should know. My mind's going blank right now. I I can't believe this. I should I should know. That's not New Jack, is it? With the uh, oh man, I got mistaken for New Jack. Wow, <laughs> that's you. That's you with the yeah, hat and that glasses. That's me in a prior version. That's B Furious. <laughs> no way, dude. Yep, man, you were hefty. You were you were. Oh, dude, yeah. You, no, I was built. Yeah, I used you were to be built. built. I mean, that was yeah, 2014. But mind you, as you get older, you have to adapt your body to your age. So I basically went lean. I'm more lean now. Yeah. Back then, I was uh, a lot more muscular. But just just below me, who is that? You should know that guy. Ah, uh, damn. He he looks familiar. Oh, it should look very familiar because mm. he's actually moved up in the indies quite a bit since then. Ah, oh, damn. My mind's going James blank, man. James Drake. Who? That is James Drake. James Drake? Yep. No way. And the guy above me, that's a guy you should know. Ah, oh, damn. He, yeah, he looks, he looks. Scotty really... Matthews. That's Scotty Matthews from the flock, Ravens flock, Scotty Matthews. That's him? Yes. Wow. He, he looks different from back then, man. Well, the beard, uh, probably. Yeah. But, yeah, that is Scotty Matthews. Uh, so Scotty Matthews, me, and James Drake. Then, of course, two over from James Drake uh, to the right. That's actually Big Country Rob Ordway. And on the right in the face paint, that's Damian Legion. So uh, those are guys you probably, I'm sure the names sound familiar. Yeah. But, yeah. Right. Yeah, the names sound familiar. The faces, I'm I'm bad at that. I used to be great at that. Knowing faces, I mm -hmm. actually I I see familiar faces, and, and I say sometimes I say, "You look familiar. Who? Where do I know you from?" And I I mention that, and people people would say, "No, I'm so and so," and like, "Whoops." I mean, you got a familiar face, and most time they say, "I get told that a lot," but you know, thanks thanks for you know acknowledging me and talking to me no you know you know um noticing my existence they basically say so it's all good and then people's like yeah okay whatever and, and i'm like sorry 
just uh, but I, in general, I mean, in your case, you take your art seriously. You take the podcast seriously, and you know, I can tell this because of your attention to the equipment, the quality of equipment you have. You're not just a guy just you know doing a Facebook Messenger. Uh, calls and just saying, hey, I'm just going to uh, submit this without taking respect to, you know, your studio space. The fact that you actually try to create a studio space means you take what you do seriously. Yes. You know, it, this is not just a Zoom meeting. <laughs> I, I do appreciate that. I do appreciate that. And talking about, talking about Zoom, I mean, like my space here, um, I'll... I'll show you after afterwards, but like what I my setup here. I don't. I probably mm -hmm. showed you my setup here before, but um, mm -hmm. I have a pretty good setup here, and I I do oh, yeah. I do uh, I do take it serious because everything everything I have right here, and even this mic, I've worked mm -hmm. for. I worked for. I put in. I it took me. I've had this microphone since 2016 or 2014 oh, actually, and it's still mm -hmm. good. I've taken care of it. Uh, XLR microphone mixer mm -hmm. computer I had that stuff I had my best friend help me build this so I can actually do do what I'm doing I've been doing this since 2014 I had mm -hmm. it all built in 2016 and I pretty much been running with it I've been doing a little bit of upgrades here and there I had to get a four terabyte a couple years ago I had to get a four terabyte external hard drive I was running out of I, I filled up a terabyte it took me three years to fill up a terabyte my backup terabyte drive with content mm -hmm. it's like I had the time it's time to move it over so I All bought right. a four terabyte backup and I'm not even halfway yet and it's been two years so mm -hmm. I'm saying probably in the next two more years that things are going to get filled up with content because I have so much content. I have content. I I have no audio video on my computer. Everything is in my external hard drive. That's where I keep everything. So that's <laughs> that's pretty much that's a smart way to do it because people fill up their hard drives and their computer starts crashing. Why is my computer crashing? Free up your space, man. Right. Free up your space. Free up your space. And it's hours of research. I would spend hours on the computer here googling, searching, research, research. I need a program. What programs are out there that I can use, get a hold of, that's affordable, that's good, that can do recording and everything, and I found stuff like that. And mm -hmm. it, it's amazing that you just got to sit down and spend the time. Yeah, like like you said, there's there's podcast that they just take their like headphones and <laughs> take their phone there and they're walking around. You're just just FaceTime, right? <laughs> yeah, FaceTime. Yeah, let's FaceTime. Yeah, let's cut some corners and not spend the money on uh, production. And right. to me, to me, one of the hard like there's a lot of platforms to upload a podcast to audio podcast. Like mm -hmm. iTunes, iTunes is not the only kid in town, but mm -hmm. like there's like Podbeam. Podbeam is great. That I love Podbeam. They give me all the resources and tools I need mm -hmm. to actually share a podcast and everything I need to use with that. And then having that RSS feed and sharing it over to where it could be on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, mm -hmm. iHeart Radio, um, yep. just um. Even uh, Amazon Music now, 
last year every release show got on Amazon Music now. Mm, <laughs> Podcast. Nice. You go on Amazon Music, every release nice. show, boom, there you go. <laughs> every all the all the episodes. But one of the platforms I think is really horrible that people use to cut corners is mm-hmm. Anchor Anchor FM. Anchor Ra- Radio is one of the it's free because it's free. But the quality <laughs> You get what you pay for. Bingo. Bingo. The quality's just not there. It's not there. Just go to go to a go to someone like Podbeam. Spend ten dollars a month for unlimited space. Get the equipment. Sit down. Record it. Get on there. They got tutorials to teach you how to do something. You go to their help section. I, I learned some things from watching their help section. And they have that. Anchor FM is just a cheap, easy way. I know a guy, he he don't do a podcast no more, but when he was doing podcasts, he started out, he, he was using Anchor. And the audio quality and just everything mm-hmm. just sounded horrible. And he's using he- headphones in your phone. Oh, I do everything on my phone. No, get a computer. Get a laptop. <laughs> do it that way. With But with you saying that there, I, that, I, I do appreciate that because... It just it shows that, you know, I you can see from the setup here that I I take it I do take it seriously because well and the reason I bring that up I've been on probably 150 or so podcasts and you know you can tell the difference from one to the next uh, in terms of how seriously they take their uh, craft right and I think it's important that whatever you do whether it's you know podcasting, wrestling, being a janitor, whatever. If you do it with a sense of pride, people are going to notice. Right. I mean, you notice the difference between someone who does it with a sense of pride and someone who is just cutting corners. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And the podcast, you, you could always tell when someone's first starting out how how they do their podcast because mm-hmm. they, they're wanting to ask questions, but they can't get it out. And I've listened to podcasts like that, and I'm mm-hmm. sitting there listening to them, and I'm saying to myself, I'm I, I get like my dad yelling at the TV, Ric Flair being on TV because <laughs> he's going after Dusty Rhodes. I'm like, just get the damn question out. It's like, it's remember Ronnie Dangerfield back to school. I just saw that recently. Yep. That's why I bring this up. Where's Sam <laughs> Kittison when he's he's had when Ronnie Dangerfield uh, yelled at him and said, "Hey, take it easy," the, the, at the student. It's like she wasn't even born when hey, that happened. It <laughs> it's like, well, you know what happened during Vietnam, don't you? Don't you? Don't you? What? What? Sad. 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 <laughs> and, and then, that's how I felt when I listened to a podcast. I get I I I become Sam Kinison when they're trying to ask a question. I swear, I swear. Um, it's nice to meet you, and I'm so glad you're on my podcast. Um, well, um, uh, the I I, I just um want want to uh, uh, ask you when 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 you were you you were you were at um 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 I'm like sad, just sad. Ah ah. <laughs> oh man. Talk. You were you were talking about. Talking about um, me taking a break um, at the end of uh, 2020, I did take a break. I had a lot of stuff happen to me. Um, my best friend of 10 years just, he's gone. That Man, I'm sorry to hear that. 
yeah, that that was one of the reasons why I took a break. Just hearing, having a best friend that was like a brother to you and a longtime mm-hmm. supporter. When I started out podcasting, did I tell him about it? First thing he said, Dion said, doing a podcast? They got some good ones out there. He's like, hell yeah. He's like, "I'll you put a podcast out there, I'll listen to it. That's all he said. I was like, mm-hmm. really? He said, yeah, I'll listen to you. What do you talk about? And I told him, he said, yeah. He's He said, that's stuff we talk about, man. He's like, I'll listen. He said, I'd listen to you. He's like, you get guests on? I'll listen to that too. I was like, wow, okay. So right there, that was like motivation and drive. That that was like, a, I mean, good friend. It's like, hell yeah. He even sure. sat... He even sat in on one of uh, one of the episodes I did back okay. when I first started out. He he came over one day. And he just went to hang out, and he's like, "What what do you got going on?" I said, "I, I got a. I'm about to do an interview. You want to sit in on it?" He's like, "Hell yeah! Who are you talking to?" And I was told him uh, I was talking with a actor out in L.A., um, J- Jason Mack, and mm-hmm. he was like, "Okay." So we sat down, and he listened and listened to me talk to him and everything. And he's like, "Dude, this is great." He's like, "I." He's like, "Keep doing it." That's what he told me. Keep doing it. He's like, "You're good at it." So that was right there i mean one of my first long time fans and you know like a brother to me and mm-hmm. he's here one day and then he's gone and it just it really hit me and then with a lot of other things going on i just i needed to step away i'm just like i'm burnt out i burnt the candle on both ends this is the mm-hmm. icing on the cake i need to step away so yeah I hear. Well, dude, give me 30 seconds. I'm going to clean my glass, grab another beer, and we will toast to your buddy. All right. (sighs) Grabbed a big boy so we can do a big toast to your boy. Yes. This is Levante Brewing Dodge Dunk Dip. They're from... uh, over toward eastern Pennsylvania. This is an Imperial Mint Oreo Stout. It's almost 12% ABV. Wow. I figure we give a proper salute to your boy. Yes, I poured a glass. I poured some more uh, in here. There we go. Nice, rich, and dark. And to your boy, you know we can't we can't disregard our support structures. Nope. Here's to you, Dion. Yep, we are less without our support structures. No question about it. I agree. Agree. Oh man. But uh. Oh, before I forget, I was going to say, so believe it or not, I'm actually currently working on organizing a beer and wrestling festival in September. Oh, nice. Nice. Just to kind of uh, lay it out, I'm working on securing the venue. I've got a bunch of wrestlers. Actually, I've got most of the wrestlers uh, secured. So I just need to uh, get the venue secured, get the event permits uh, situated, get all the logistics in order. But I mean, you know, we're in January, and I'm gonna—I'm hoping to have everything locked down by June or July, because the last thing I want to do is run this like a, a typical indie wrestling event where you 
even on the day of, you don't have all the logistics in order. But uh, <laughs> no, what I'm going to do, this is, uh, it, we're going to have probably 20 to 25 breweries. Uh, essentially, the beer samples are unlimited to people who purchase a ticket. And it's a ticketed event, probably going to have uh, 450 or so tickets for the event. Wow. Uh, there will be uh, the majority of the wrestlers uh, I have in mind will either be people of color women or LGBTQ+, because, you know, just like with beer, I believe uh, beer should be for anyone who is at least 21 years old uh, that wants to partake. Uh, there should be no gatekeeping, no demographic limits. If you're at least 21 years old and you want to try beer or partake in beer, enjoy beer, you should be able to do so without anyone gatekeeping you. That's one. Two, I believe the same thing about wrestling. Uh, there should be no limits on who you are. If you want to partake in wrestling, uh, go for it. And I don't think anybody should gatekeep you out of for demographic reasons. The only reason that you should be gatekept is if you're not really into it. Right, right, ex exactly. Beer, to me, happy, is the perfect icebreaker between two people. Because if you actually, if you go out to a place that actually serves alcohol, and you actually run into the person that actually sells. I mean, like you're you're out somewhere and you've run into someone and you start a conversation. You want a drink? You have a drink, and then you pretty much that's the icebreaker. That's the deal breaker to have for a great conversation with someone. And think about it. It's been the case for thousands of years. Exactly. You know. It's been an icebreaker, like, you know, something to drink. An alcoholic or an adult beverage of some sort has been the icebreaker for thousands of years. You know, it's long before, uh, you know, the uh, 250 years that we've been a country. It's been uh, ancient civilizations have been doing this, you know? Yeah, <laughs> it has. They, they, they have. They, they've been doing it for thousands of years. It It is. It's... It, it's great. I mean, just just conversations that you can have. You sit around, have have a beer, and have have some brew, and just talk with your friends or your family, and just mm -hmm. have a have a great time, and just talk there. Um, Christmas Eve, I went over to my brother's house, and I sat there, and we we drank a couple yearlings, and just like talked. You know, how you been? Oh, I've been great. You know, you want you want a drink? You want a yearling? Yeah. Fine, you know, get one, and we we sat there and talked because I haven't seen them since uh, you know everything that happened in 2020 with uh, all the situation and stuff. I mean, mm -hmm. didn't get to see them Thanksgiving, Christmas Eve, got to see them, which was great, mm -hmm. and I uh, got to talk to my sisters. They, I said, yeah, I went over and seen her brother. And they were happy that got to see him. That I went over there, and just some great, great time during those two months. I want to take a quick break, and let's give a word from our sponsors. When I want to kick back a few cold ones with my friends, I head over to City Limits Tap Room. City Limits Tap Room has a wide selection of TVs to watch your favorite sports, indoor and outdoor seating. They are pet friendly. City Limits Tap Room also has food made fresh to order, and the grilled cheese is excellent. 
I recommend the grilled cheese and the apple pie cider. The fries on the side, can't go wrong with that, baby. For more information for upcoming events, head over to facebook.com slash citylimitstaproom. Keep up with the latest shows and content from Podcast City Network over on podcastcity.net. Follow them on facebook.com slash podcastcitynetwork. Twitter at podcastcitynet. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Podcast City Network. On Twitch, Podcast City Network. Podcast City Network, top source for independent podcasting. Be creative, be yourself. You're listening to The Everett Lee Show. The last time I did a show was October. And towards the end of October, that was when my friend Dion, I got the word that he passed away. And I pretty much like called it called it quits there for a while take a break Mm -hmm. and the last two months i've been spending time with my daughter my wife being Mm -hmm. more of a parent a husband just relaxing watched i watched a lot of stuff that i didn't have time at the time to watch Uh i i finally watched stranger things i finally seen whatever yeah i finally got to see what everyone was talking about with that great show man Mm -hmm. I don't know if you ever caught that or yeah no I'm well here's the thing considering you know I was a teenager in the 80s yeah. uh yeah there a lot of the nostalgia was there but yeah I'm yeah I'm fully up to date on stranger things I when it first came out on Netflix I watched it the first week it came out season 1 was like 2016 I think yeah 2016 yeah. when season 1 came out yeah I I was on it like the first week and the first episode just seeing the 80s uh you know, environment, the setting, it, it hooked me just from that. I, I ended up getting the first season on Blu-ray actually. And with my, with my kick-ass surround system, I got one of those Sony surround systems where Mm -hmm. I got center speaker set up where my TV is. And I got two, I got like my TV, the way it's cornered. I got two windows. I got my two speakers on the window seal and back behind both my, two couches i got mm-hmm. like one l-shaped couch but we broke it in half where it, you can put two couches i got yep. stand-up speakers right behind and hat yep. here and, and in the subwoofer i got it back behind the tv face towards the wall cranked but i got it turned down on the, the receiver dude Stranger Things, man, sounded great on that, and even well, on Netflix, like the background music and whatnot. Oh, God. oh yeah, God, yeah, and then even watching it with five point one on uh, on Netflix for season two and three, my wife jumped into it. She's mm-hmm. like, "What are you watching?" So she sat down and started watching. She got hooked because I was watching season two, mm-hmm. and I showed her the recap of season one. So. A lot of people, she said, oh, I'm watching Stranger Things season two. Didn't catch the first season. People's like, oh, you got to watch it. I was like, tell me, watch a recap. You're fine. And she pretty much, that's all she needed. You know how some people <laughs> just need a recap and they're like, yeah, I'm good. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how she is. I showed her a recap of season one. She sat mm-hmm. down and watched all season two and three with me. Season four, man, cannot wait. 
because I don't know. Did you see the teaser they had for season four? I didn't see the teaser, no. Go up on YouTube because um, you're going to be shocked where they're going to be taking season four because it oh, has. Yeah. I will check it out. Yeah. Because I was going to say, the. Uh, was that post credits? I think where they said bring uh, bring the American. <laughs> Who do you think it is? Who do you think it is? I, I was uh, guessing it's uh, Hopper. <laughs> Watch the trailer because okay. you, you're going to be shocked. Because I I did a little bit of digging after I watched into season three and saw like the post credit scene. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, where they plan on taking season four, it's going to be great. Well, actually, uh, my two guesses were Hopper or the dude, uh, the whacked out dude who could speak Russian. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I'm just going to leave it as that. Once you watch it, you're going to have to message me, hit me up, because (laughs) I I loved it. I loved it. I'm really looking forward this year for season four. Another, I, I get to watch a lot of independent movies on Netflix. I hit the independent movie section because mm-hmm. I love independent movies because just some of them are good, some of them are bad, but <laughs> I have a lot of friends who do independent movies, and I support what they do because it's like independent wrestling. They throw their, they put their time and effort into creating something or into their craft, mm-hmm. and... I watched I watched this one. It says I, I don't li- like the way I live in this world. I think that's the name of the movie. About this girl who gets she gets walked on. She don't like being walked on anymore. Her house gets broken into, and her grandmother's silverware gets stolen. So she tries to track it down, and she has this guy that lives down the road from her. And she gets an altercation with because he keeps taking his dog by her house, and mm-hmm. and his dog keeps crapping in her yard, and so she gets mad and he catches him and he's walking the dog has the earphones on not hearing nothing, and so mm-hmm. she grabs a piece of paper and wrap and she has a sign in the yard that says "Don't poop here," so she takes the paper and she throws it and she's like, Ugh. and it flies over his head and it, the guy come find out it's Elijah Wood. <laughs> <laughs> and he plays he he plays this crazy guy who's like in the martial arts. He has like ninjas, stars, nunchucks. You you, you never noticed the guy that that, that he kind of reminds me of um, Napoleon Dynamite. Um, Napole- Napoleon's brother. Remember? Oh, Kip. Uh, Kip. Kip plays Kip. Yeah. Yeah. He <laughs> reminds me of that because one of the parts is her laptop got stolen. So she had a tracker on her phone and she called the cops and the cops wouldn't listen to her and she's like she's she got mad and so she grabbed elijah wood and, and he brought like a mace and ninja stars and fireworks <laughs> so they go to this house where all these people are partying and they walk up to the front door this guy's hanging out in the front and he's like he's like what do you two want man and she's like my my laptop it's in there i want my laptop you ain't getting in here, man. And all of a sudden, he, 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 Elijah Wood's like, I'll take care of this. He jumps up like this, you know, <laughs> and then he swings the mace and it misses and it comes back and hits the guy in the nose, breaks his nose, and they, they, 
they kick the door in, and and everyone's like, "What the hell?" And he jumps in, and Elijah Wood takes ninja stars and throws them. They like stick to the wall, like, <laughs> and he takes fireworks and throws it in there. And they're like, and there's uh, this one guy, this one one guy's like, "Dude, what the hell is wrong with you?" And he's like, "Don't fuck with us." <laughs> <laughs> and, and she, 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 yeah, yeah, but he reminds me of someone that like you know you know the person that you went to school with who was in like ninjas and everything he had nunchucks and stuff but he he he's seen so many of the movies but he didn't know how to use the stuff correctly because he was breaking you know what i'm talking about it, he wore, that's what he reminded me of um like he wore like the high high shorts and the like the knee high socks and stuff, you know. <laughs> it kind of has like a mullet and a thick growing mustache, you know. And he's like mm-hmm. like fourteen, you know. And he's like that sort of remind me of that movie was great. That I love that movie and even how it ended too. It had a little twist at the end, which I didn't expect. But um, I watched a, a couple of independent superhero movies. One called Freaks, about this father who has his daughter in the house and won't let her go mm-hmm. outside. And she wants to go outside because of an ice cream truck outside. He, he won't let her out. And the first part of the movie, you're like, what the hell's going on? But once she gets outside and gets to the ice cream truck, you're like, mm-hmm. oh. And then it goes. It, you start to understand why. He does what he does. <laughs> and the ending is great because I hope they make another one. And then I watched a German-based superhero movie called Freaks. You're one of us. This waitress, feel, she's married, has a kid. She feels like there's something different about her. She works at one of those gas station restaurant places and her boss is like this like big uh I call Matilda with like a chiseled chin. She's like in Arnold Schwarzenegger reading his magazines. And she's like mean to her, man, and she's like I just want to raise to support my family and she's in mean to her. And she runs into this homeless guy and the homeless guy's like quit taking these pills they're giving you because you're going to find out who you really are. So she quits. And it shows her taking the same path going home every night. So mm-hmm. she, And there's these three guys hanging out in the parking lot and they're always whistling at her like, hey, baby. So one mm-hmm. night they yelled at her and she turned around and she's like, you know, she, she's had enough of it. And one of them was like, so what are you going to do? And one goes in the reach in from her. And all of a sudden she's like throws them halfway across the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other guy comes and she kicks him and he flies and lands into a car. And she's like, whoa, what the hell happened here? Because <laughs> she quit taking those pills. Mm-hmm. And, and she has super strength. And so the next day she's at work and there's this guy, lady who keeps parking a handicapped spot she keeps yelling at. So she walks over and she just pushes the car over. <laughs> and then the kids are in the car, you know, and they're like... <laughs> and then then her boss gets onto her because she accidentally breaks a pan. Mm-hmm. And so she starts... Her boss starts yelling at her and everything, so she gets matched. So she grabs this, like like... 200 
fifty, you know, twenty pound woman, and she's like weighs like a buck fifty, and she lifts her up in the air like nothing but one arm, and she she gets all scared, and she finds out she has superpowers, and then she meets mm-hmm. other people who have superpowers, and they decide to come come together, which is cool. But mm-hmm. I was watching stuff like that. I watched. Of course, Stranger Things. I got caught up on Cobra Kai season three. Oh, yeah, I, I binge watched uh, all of season three on uh, Monday of last week. I binge watched the entire thing in one sitting. And uh, let's see. Speaking of throwing people, you're see uh, Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh uh-uh. uh No, dude, watch Peanut Butter Falcon. Seriously, it, it's an indie film. Sh- uh, star Shia LaBeouf, uh, but. Uh, it has a wrestling tie-in, and it's actually pretty... It's one of those things where uh, the underlying theme of the story is something I, I bet you can follow as far as, you know, can kind of feel the strength of the underlying story. But uh, it actually has, uh, you know, both a good message, and I thought it was a pretty good indie film. Uh, so definitely uh, watch Peanut Butter Falcon. Okay. Uh, and as far as the wrestling tie-in, you'll see... Uh, Mick Foley in there. You'll see Jake the Snake uh, in there. Really? Yes. Oh wow! I'm I'm gonna definitely I'm definitely gonna have to check that one out. I definitely am. Wow! Mick Foley, Jake <laughs> the Snake, I, two of my favorites right there. Right. Mind you, uh, their roles are relatively small, but they are in the film. <laughs> That's cool. That's cool. As long as I love seeing those movies where they you see someone that's like right there and you're like, Oh dude, look who it is. Hey, look who it is. You see him just for a second there, which, which is all right. I mean, I, I enjoy, enjoy stuff like that there. I definitely, (laughs) definitely did. I watched, I binge watched New Year's day Cobra Kai season three. I was like, damn man. (laughs) I was like, it's over already. I want to, I want to watch the, I want season four, like right, right away. But, what would you get out of season three, man? I season three, there were just so many callbacks. Yeah, uh, I think season three was all about the callbacks. Yeah, uh, I'm not. I, I don't want to spoil it for anybody watching this, but I think season three spent too much time uh, with the callbacks and trying to milk nostalgia than it did uh, advancing the storyline as far as it could have. Yeah, they they could have advanced the storyline, but what I liked was what Daniel's trip to Okinawa, finding out more than what he thought he knew. I love that because right. oh, you know everything about Miyagi Do. Oh no, you don't. Oh, no. uh, and I, that was I, a wake up call. My, I think you know that was storyline progression. Yeah, that actually was storyline progression. I just felt like. Uh, I, you know, obviously the whole premise of this series is there has to be callbacks. If you don't call back to the past, then, you know, this whole uh, show is going to lose its power. But at the same time, I think season three in particular, because like, you know, seasons one and two, it touched on the past, but it kept moving forward. Yeah. Uh, it used the past to make the present relevant. Uh, whereas season three, I felt like, just kind of really leaned too heavily on the past and uh, didn't spend as much time on the present. Right. Like, you you pull up a good point about the past because um, we'll just say this. 
spoiler alert. <laughs> Anyone listen to this? Um, fast forward if you don't want to hear this part if you haven't watched already season three. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. When okay. he was leaving Okinawa, <laughs> you're laughing at me. It's like, fast forward, please. Oh, that was... Yeah, so there was my point there. Pretty good. Okay. All right, let's... Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. But, spoiler alert. Okay, I'm going to throw that out there. Okay. When he was leaving Okinawa after he met his arch enemy from season two, first off, I love that. That reminded me of like that reminded me of like freaking like Biff Tanner walking into the the eighties cafe. McFly. It was like Daniel San, and it was like the intensity. I just love that. No, the tension. Yeah. Oh no, obviously. God. I do not Cho <laughs> chosen, dude. It was awesome seeing Chosen come back because it was Daniel was ready to fight him, and he came back, and I, I loved how because you didn't know what happened to this guy after Karate Kid too. He got embarrassed. By front right. of everybody with the her, you know, with the nose. But when he was talking about Miyagi Do and Cheech and everything, and he did that move, uh, Happy, and he's like, "I've been waiting thirty years for this." I to myself, I said, "I have waited a long time for this moment." <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love that. He waited thirty years to do that to him, but. I loved how it was like he gave insight on his character of what happened afterwards. And Daniel, I liked how Daniel said, I forgive you. And they buried the hatchet and they moved on from that, mm -hmm. which is great. But I liked when he was leaving and he met, um, I forget her name from part two there, uh, Cody Kokai or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. And right before he was leaving, the the girl, and oh, Yuna, yeah, yeah, realized that was the little girl he saved. So yeah. actions in the past had a effect for the future because she saved his business, which I thought was great. Well, you know? I think the important uh, or what made that scenario make sense was when uh, Kumiko was reading the letters, and then you know, kind of recap. Uh, her aunt's philosophy and I think that was the key just being able to uh, because that kind of ties in with that it's just not like you know pure do sex machina out of nowhere someone that I knew just happens to be vice president of this uh, corporation that's responsible for my business just swoops in to save today <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah but if he didn't if he didn't go out there and say that little girl he he would have been he would have been like done with he would have been selling to his competition there mm -hmm. and i i loved how that tie in right there i i thought that was great i also love the backstory more of john crease because you really didn't give much of a backstory in the movies yeah. well here's the thing I, I i think that's important you know i don't i think anything that's you know pure good versus pure evil is bullcrap because nobody is born to be pure good pure or pure evil these are things that uh come up through programming you know yes uh like for example i think uh, racism racism is not a behavior you're born with it's a behavior that you 
are either directly or indirectly programmed with. It's observations, experiences, and things like that influence uh, those behaviors. You don't just become some psychopath uh, for no reason. Right. There's something. There's something that triggers it, or a combination of things that triggers it, and I think it's important to explain that. And I think that's the whole premise of Cobra Kai, because you know what? Uh, we're just like Johnny is this generic bad guy from the old Karate Kid. And we're just like, you know what? Uh, he does. Uh, there are reasons for him to be such a dick. <laughs> you know, he exactly. Was, uh, there were things that happened that made him become such a such a douche canoe. Uh, that's, you know, it's not like it just happened out of nowhere. It Things uh, shaped him into that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It, it shaped him into that there. And him realizing the what John Kreese was and what he did, it was, okay, let's get rid of this. But it was too late because he already got his way back in. Because when uh, he knew... He knew he was the devil, and when he left his door open and the devil came in, mm -hmm. devil set up right. shop and kicked him out. That's right. basically what he did. Exactly. And him trying to reclaim and trying to get everything back on track, I I enjoyed the him trying to get back. Him mm -hmm. pushing Miguel to get back and being there for him. And I did uh, like the like the surprise from Elizabeth Shue because I read the rumors. <laughs> it was good seeing her come back as Allie, and right. I liked because her coming back at the time she did was a pivotal role. It was like, look, thirty years ago you beat him in a karate tournament. This happened, that happened. You know what? Get over it. Get over it. Get over it. You have your own dojo, which eh, I mean. Yeah, that's great. You you have passion that you're successful doing this, selling cars. You got a wife, kids. That's great. Okay, you're still mad at each other thirty years. Get over it. Bury the hatchet. Move on. And that's I I was glad she came back as that cornerstone. It's like, hey, this is not right. Well, your I mean, it's more than a cornerstone, but she filled in blanks. Yes. What happened was, you know, everything that was happening was sort of like in a vacuum, but she kind of filled in the blanks. Hey, uh, you know, I didn't actually just dump you and leave you for this dude in college. You never just accepted the situation for what it was. Uh, and it just so happened that it just went that direction because you shoved me out, you know. Right, but I think that's just it. You know, if nothing else, I think this is more of a uh, 21st century versus 20th century thinking because you know we look at uh, the way it was framed. Obviously, I mean, you know, it was the 80s. You look at it as you know protagonist versus antagonist. You don't look at the things that shape the scenario, and you don't even examine serious character flaws. And I mean, we all have them. I mean, you know, there's no such thing as pure face and pure heel. I mean, that's just not reality. And that's also why, you know, I think to myself, hey, Harry Potter is a mediocre wizard uh, that would probably have been killed early on if not for Hermione uh, doing the work. And it's not like she's perfect either, but the fact is she does the work. She's a, she can be a snotty bitch, but she does the work. Right. <laughs> and right. he's probably the main reason he was alive. Otherwise, he should have been killed in the first movie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I, I agree with you right there. I agree with you right there. Yeah, just 
yeah, the they touched a lot on going back in season three, but I think season four, the way that went and stuff, they're gonna they're gonna focus more on callback with part three. Part three wasn't a lot of fan favorites. Part one and two, three, right. three actually had. To me, I think one of the one of the best villains out of the series, which was David uh, David Silver, how he yeah. manipulated Daniel, the manipulation aspect. Well, I think you know uh, that was an important aspect of season three because Chris uh, kept looking at that photo, and I think one of those guys was Silver, uh, because that was his boy uh, back in the military. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They served together because in the flashback. Silver was in that in that cage. In, yeah, he was in, the one who said, "You saved my life. I'm always with you." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things I kept I kept hearing about was the plan was in season uh, part three was if if um what's his name beat Daniel and won that tournament, then they were mm -hmm. going to set up more shops, more training, more dojos, Cobra Kai dojos. Right. And that failed mm -hmm. because Daniel beat, um, damn, uh, Barnes. He beat him. Yeah, yeah he beat he beat yeah. him. And I wouldn't be surprised if they if they bring him back because I was looking at some oh, recent yeah. no, interviews. You have to. Right. I mean, yeah. the, just following the pattern, you kind of have to. Yeah. Mike Barnes, they they – I was looking at interviews with the guy, and he's watched the show. He's a fan of the show, and he's keeping tight lip if they've actually done something, brought him back, because some of the way the way he talks about stuff was mm -hmm. that I can possibly believe and see in season four of Cobra mm -hmm. Kai, but. I'd like to see David Silver come back and see how that comes into the fold now because because Daniel and Johnny are joined forces. Now John is calling in his forces. So it's winner take all season four. I can see Cobra Kai going for another two or three seasons and then that's pretty much it. But I I wonder if they're eventually going to bring in Hillary Swank back. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! I hope not. That was that was just an abomination altogether. Uh, I'm uh, you know I'm glad I didn't pay anything to watch that movie, but wow, that was painful. That was that was just so painful to watch. Well, Ralph Macchio didn't want to do it, man. Ralph mm -hmm. Macchio was pretty much done with it, and you know he carried that movie. Mr. Miyagi. It was more of a backstory. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Exactly. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Though Ralph Macchio was busy with my cousin Vinny. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, 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 he shot the clerk. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> that was my, that was my father's favorite movie there. My cousin Vinny. I, I like that. The, like the two youths. He's like, Mr. Van Beanie. What? Mr. Gambini, what's a youth? <laughs> <laughs> Fred Gwynn, good old Fred Gwynn. <laughs> I'm going to hold you in contempt of court there. <laughs> uh, that, was, that was great. And I liked it when he was in the restaurant 
and then he threw on that lard on the stove, <laughs> and then he goes, "Hey, oh, y'all you ever heard about low fat cholesterol down here?" <laughs> He's a grit. What's a grit? <laughs> <laughs> did it's it's funny um the judge in that movie that was herman munster who played herman yeah, munster Fred is herman munster yep that was awesome man i loved also I the loved, guy from pet cemetery yeah <laughs> i i love joe pesci in that movie he was great marissa tomei was great oh marissa tomei is fantastic here's the thing marissa tomei i feel like is underrated in general she is uh she is she does a great job in supporting roles and she ages really well oh god I mean, in the wrestler Holy crap. I mean, for she looked fantastic. Oh, my God. And I was just like, you know, it's amazing because I was just like, you know, funny thing. This might be Timmy, but uh, last weekend when my girlfriend was down here, I was looking. I was like, oh, my God. She she reminds me of Marissa Tomei. Yes. 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 <laughs> I had a crush on her in the 90s, man. I had a crush oh, on I her. Did too. I did, too. Oh, we all did. Yeah, we all did. <laughs> Her I had a crush on her in 2009 when I saw the wrestler. <laughs> Dude, it took me forever to see that movie. When I finally sat down and watched it, and when I saw Marissa Tomei, and when um, she was pole dancing, my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, she has no top on. Oh my God. <laughs> I was like, there is a God. Yeah. Because I just loved. I mean, her performance as an actress is great. She's a great actress, though. But in that movie, I mean, just what she did in that movie. And, hell, she's Aunt May. She's the new Aunt May for uh, yes. Peter Parker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's she she's great. I had a crush on her in the 90s. Her and Wynota <laughs> Ryder. Wynota Ryder. Oh, God. <laughs> Reality Bites. Yep, oh, reality bites. I get it. I get it. Oh you know, my but god! Marissa Tomei definitely. She had that. Uh, you know, she came off as the every woman, and you know when the clothes came off, holy crap! Wow. Yeah, she's <laughs> she's really taking care of herself and yes. really well, and yes, she's. It was like you did not know what the hell happened to her. And mm -hmm. then all of a sudden she comes out in the wrestler. You're like, wow, Marissa Tomei is still around? It's like, yeah, she's been doing a handful of independent movies, though. But she still has it, man. She still has it as an actress. She she has exactly. it. And talk, I, was, I mentioned Winona Ryder. Stranger Things. Oh, God, she was great yeah. in that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's no, another oh, but one. I've got to give a lot of props to, uh, what's his name, David Harbour, uh, who plays Hopper. Oh, yeah, Hopper, definitely, next level. Oh, uh, what was the name of that movie? It was a Netflix-only movie. I saw I watched it last year. Was it Intercept? Interception, I think? Uh, it's the one with uh, Hemsworth. Yeah. Hemsworth, uh, and uh, David Harbour was in it, too. Was uh, and the, only, the reason I watched it is because, well, the setting 
is supposed to be in Bangladesh. My parents are from Bangladesh, so uh, the characters that spoke Bengali, I mean, I'm fluent in Bengali, so it was fun watching a movie where a foreign language, I didn't have to watch subtitles, uh, that's one, but the actual movie setting was in Thailand. So uh, it's funny pretending to be somewhere else, but uh, you know, shooting it somewhere else. But that being said, yeah, Hemsworth and uh, yeah, Harbor uh, was in that too, and I was like, holy crap, this was a pretty intense movie. Was it because I was gonna watch it one night, but I ended up watching uh, Six Underground, and I oh, I, stopped. I saw that too. That I, was pretty intense too. I didn't like it. <laughs> I watched half of it. They, they tried to make it more like they tried to make it Deadpool. That's yeah. What I, I, well, here's the thing. Uh, that's just it. I, I tried to I tried to follow it based on the premise of what it was supposed to be. Yeah. The middle part was boring. Yeah. The middle part was boring because that's where I was it at. didn't bridge the gap between the beginning and the end. Yeah. That was my issue. I I I, I liked the last one third of it. The middle one third of it. There was no connection between the first third and the last third. That's where it lost me at. That's where I stopped it at. I stopped it, and mm -hmm. I said, damn, I should have watched that Chris Hemsworth's movie because I was going to yeah. watch that, and I picked the other. I picked that one. But I, I will say watch the Hemsworth movie because I guarantee it's better than Six Underground. Okay. Yeah. It The trailer, I watched the trailer. I said, this is great. I want to watch that. I'll probably I'll probably end up watching that here in the next couple of nights. Here, and the then, Six Underground was more about the shoot 'em up than it was about connecting the plot from beginning to end. That's actually what what Six Underground was. It was more about the shoot 'em up than it was the plot. Whereas Intercept, the plot you actually have to follow the plot to know what's happening, where uh, where the allegiances are, and how many different factions are at play. Okay, so let me ask you this: Should I? finish watching six underground don't bother don't bother honestly okay. I, I mean i watched it because uh it was a boring day yeah. uh however intercept uh that movie when i was actually sitting mind you part of it was the fact that i was following language without subtitles and i was like holy crap these guys are really into it uh and i get it but also the fact that what i liked about it was the fact that the plot had a little bit of complexity okay so you actually had to follow uh, the allegiances because if you didn't understand the allegiances, then it just basically you'll treat it like a shoot 'em up. Yeah, I, I I I tried and I just just like this reminds me they're trying to be more like Deadpool because of Ryan Reynolds. So I I clicked yeah, off of it. I didn't it. even treat it that yeah. way. Here's the thing with Six Underground: if you completely skip the middle one third of it. You'll still understand what happened, <laughs> <laughs> because the begin. Don't get me wrong; the beginning was great. I loved yeah. how this movie opened up. Yeah. It was badass. Yeah. But then when it started getting into, we're going here to do this and that, and then it jumped here, jumped there, jumped there, jumped there, jumping around. I said to myself, "I said, oh god, this is giving me a headache. I can't. I, oh god, it's been forever since I shut a movie off halfway in the middle. Click. I was like, I can't do it." I can't do it, and I've been looking. At, I've been eyeing that Hemsworth movie. I've been eyeing yes. it for a while, and I said to myself, "I think that's going to be the next one I watch." And you know, the funny thing is, I I, I looked up the cat. I thought, you know what, this is probably just a random run of the mill Netflix movie. When I saw the cast, I was like, you know what, I'll give this a try. 
I'll give this a try. And I was plus. I think part of that was because I had very middle mid level expectations. I didn't have high expectations. I had mid level expectations, and I was pleasantly surprised. I think okay. that was the key. I didn't set my expectations too high, and I was pleasantly surprised. Whereas Six Underground, I was expecting it, uh, especially with the cast, I was expecting more out of it. But the more I think about it, the more I realize if you missed the middle one-third of it, if you cut out 45 minutes in the middle, you'll st- and you just saw the, uh, before the 45 minutes and after the 45 minutes, you'll know what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I watched... Watched, I watched the trailer, like I said, in the action, and it, Chris Hemworth's kicking ass. I said, dude, this looks great. I love this action. I, I think I want to watch it. And the plot and the story sounds great. I should have clicked on that one, but I, yeah. I didn't. And Here's I, the funny thing. I mean, you know, there are some movies where the action is more entertaining than the plot. And there are some movies where the plot is more intriguing than the action. And I think Intercept values the plot. Yeah. I, I love wow. movies like that. Another another one I watched, I finally got around to watch, was the um, Stephen Mill movie. It had him and his brother in it called Code 8. Yes, Code 8, yes. You saw that? I saw that. Dude. Yeah, I saw that last year, yes. Oh, I love that movie. That movie was great. That movie was great. It had a really good good story to it and a really good reason why. And I watched that one. I was wanting to watch that other one, that uh, the Ben Affleck one, Triple Frontier, mm-hmm. about the mercenaries. I was wanting to watch that one, too. It had, <laughs> it had uh, Charlie Hunman in it from who was uh, yeah, on Sun, yeah. Yeah, Sons Charlie of Anarchy. Charlie Hunman from uh, Sons of Anarchy, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's Now, that's one show I haven't heard nothing about. I watched... All seven seasons of Sons, and I watched the two seasons of Mayans MC. I haven't heard nothing about the season three of uh, Mayans MC because the way they left season two, I was like, damn, man, I want to see what happens. And I haven't heard nothing Mm -hmm. about when they're going to start filming again. You know, it's funny with. uh... Charlie uh, Hunnam, wasn't he in uh, freaking, uh, what is that, Pacific Rim? Yeah, yeah, I have that movie. That's I it. love yeah. that movie. Uh, you know, here's the thing. There are a lot of people that crapped on Pacific Rim. Here's the thing. Uh, it's because they expected more out of Pacific Rim than was supposed to be, and I think that was the issue. They just basically viewed Pacific Rim more than it was supposed to be because, what's his face, Del Toro was... Uh, the director, and I'm just like, you know, Del Toro told us up front he wanted to do a movie that inv- that just kind of paid homage to kaiju movies. Yeah. And people ignored that. And, you know, when you ignore that and you're expecting something like Pan's Labyrinth or something like that, you know what? You're, you just, you deliberately set yourself up for disappointment. You didn't take him at his word. He told you what it was going to be, and you just disregarded him. And I'm just like, you know what? If you were disappointed by it, it's because you set yourself up for that. I knew what it was. I heard what he said it was. I watched it for that, and I was not disappointed. Not like I was wowed by it, but I was like, you know what? It's exactly what it said it would be, and I'm not disappointed. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I I watched because I remember him saying that, and I said, you know what? It's been a while since I've seen, like, giant robots 
or something yeah. fighting monsters. Yeah. Well, he was paying homage to that. Yeah. And I mean, you know, Idris Elba was great. Uh, Charlie, I'm, I mean, you know, I just felt like it, it fit exactly what it was supposed to be. Exactly. I felt, I, I have it on Blu-ray. I love it. I watched that movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it in a while, actually. I didn't even get to watch the second one yet. Yeah, I'm actually, you know, it's funny you mention that because I was thinking about that. When you mentioned Charlie Adam, I was like, you know what? I got to get around to watching that second movie. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. And what's his face? Uh, Charlie, what's his face? The fact that uh, Charlie from uh, uh, It's Always Sunny was in there was great. And uh, the dude, uh, what's his name? Carl Tanner from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Uh, too. I was like, oh, man, this is fantastic. <laughs> I had a great and cast. Roman was in it, and uh, I was just like, you know what? Just these guys showing up that you recognize just made, that, made it that much more entertaining when you have your expectations set correctly. Did you notice someone else in that movie, too? A former WWE wrestler was in that movie. Shit, who? I can't recall. <laughs> he, was, he was in the oddities. Kurgan. Oh, Kurgan? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Well, that doesn't, that doesn't surprise me because he was in the Sherlock Holmes movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kurgan was in Pacific Rim. I remember when Pacific Rim came out. And they're like... The interrogator. <laughs> yeah, I, I I love that. You, you know, talking about wrestling, wrestlers and movies, okay, I last year or the year before, I watched Hobbs and Shaw. Mm-hmm. I love that. When it came time for when, did you see Hobbs and Shaw? I did okay. not. You're, you're not, it's a good movie. It's it's good. It um, just Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, and Jason Statham. Mm-hmm. Their chemistry yep. on camera is great. It's fantastic. I like Jason Statham. What you saw from Furious Eight that um, that chemistry they had there when um, the, how they went back and forth and stuff. Mm-hmm. Imagine that through a whole movie, which you had laugh out loud moments well mm-hmm. th- it was it was great when it came time to when the, the rock went back you know uh when hobbs went back to his uh to his island and mm-hmm. meeting his family and of course roman mm-hmm. reigns was there mm-hmm. they they were promoting it like you know roman reigns has you know he has this big part in this movie i sat down when it came to that part and I watched it, he only had about three lines and two scenes of action. <laughs> I said to myself, I looked at my wife, I said, so this is what everyone's all fussing about now. Mm-hmm. That he, This part here. He really didn't have a part. They blew right. it up. They, I, I hate when they take someone who's big and they put them in a movie with a small part, but they blow it up like it's the biggest thing. I I can't stand that. They were talking about one time they had the uh, who was it? Um, the English girl, blonde hair English girl. She was in the Pitch Perfect movies, and she had a small part in Bridesmaids. 
they were talking about this movie that was coming out with her, and they made it. It was like she star of uh, Pitch Perfect Bridesmaids, and I was like, oh, I remember her in Bridesmaids. She had like a five minute part. How is she yeah. the star of that? <laughs> I hate yeah, when that. Exactly. Exactly. And, and then you know what I hate when I when I go through like Walmart or someplace, and I'm like, when mm-hmm. my wife's browsing around. I'm like, I'm gonna go to electronics. I'm gonna browse around. Yeah. I'm browsing around. I'm looking at these movies, and I pick them up. I'm like, oh, cool. What's this? And you know, and then you see like best movie of the year, and then you, hey, what's this one? Best movie <laughs> of the year. Best movie of the year. Best movie. All these movies are best movie of the year, <laughs> and some of them don't even deserve to be called best movie of the year. They're just average, you know. I just love how they throw those on movies there. Best movie of the year. <laughs> it's. I said to myself, I say, I just oh. wish I wish I had a nickel for every time I read or heard that about a movie, but. This has been this has been pretty great, man. <laughs> this oh, is dude. no, I, I I mean seriously, you know, if I could do a thirty second bit part and call myself a star, I'm all about it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I I would be proud. I would be proud. I would be awesome too, just to be like do a small part in a movie. If I had a yeah, I'm like you. If I had a thirty second part or whatever part in a movie, hell yeah, I'd be like watch this movie because you're gonna see the best part. It's like, did you know the Baywatch movie that they did? It was a bomb in the U.S. Yep. And all around the world, it was a bomb, except in one country. It was number one, and that country was Germany. For the don't th- hassle the hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone went to see that movie just to see David Hasselhoff's cameo in in that movie in Germany. It was the number one movie in Germany. Absolutely, absolutely. No, no, no. I believe it one hundred percent. So, uh, okay, I'm gonna go uh, go a different direction here. Okay. So, Eli, if I ask you what time is it, what's the answer? It's crime time. <laughs> no, that's not who you're uh, podcasting. What time is it? It's happy hour. Damn right. <laughs> On the dot. On the dot. On two, the dot. Two forty, right. 945. All right, here. I'm going to take a minute here to plug the Internet Universe and get them involved. Internet Universe. <laughs> I have one question for you. What time is it? Happy hour. On the dot. (laughs) And now, for the many in attendance, and the many more who will be watching the follow-up video. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to chug me. And if you're not down with that, I've got two words for you. Chug it. <laughs> Hell yeah. I love it, man. I love it. There you go. There you, go. you know, I figure it's time to bring the energy level up. Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's always happy hour when, when I talk to you, man. It's, oh, dude. Yeah. Only this... way to be, man. Only way to be. You know, life's too short. You've got to spend more time happy. 
Yeah, yeah, you do. You do. I've I've got myself here in the last um last since December and the towards the beginning of this year. I've I've been things have been good. Things have been looking up. I know like for me I felt like twenty twenty one, boom, everything disappear and go back to normal. And I know it's gonna take some time and it's more of extension of 2020, but we can look forward to a better year with 2021. We can look forward to a better year. Things will, I'd say by the end of this year, things will end up being a lot better than what they were a year ago because... We, we put 2020 behind us. All we got to do is look forward. Look forward. Keep pushing on, man. Keep pushing mm-hmm. on because sky's the limit. And the only way that we're not going to be able to do anything that we want is if we don't allow ourselves to do anything that we want. Correct. Well, but that being said, I'll say this, you know, folks, I'm going to be 50 in a few years. So I'm kind of reflecting on all the things that got me to where I am and, you know, do whatever you can, be as responsible as you can so that we can get to the new normal as soon as possible. Because, you know what, if if it means, you know, for a short period of time doing the little things, you know, wash your hands with soap, wear a mask, social distance and whatnot, because the more we do that, the shorter time it'll take to get us to the new normal. And for me personally, there are two two very, very motivating reasons. One, I want to get back to indie wrestling because I want to finish up my indie wrestling career meaningfully. I'm at that age where I need to start thinking of winding it down. And I want to make sure I have that opportunity. And if we're not getting to that new normal, I'm not going to have that opportunity. And I'm just going to basically have to call it quits against my will simply because I'm too old to wrestle. Uh, that's one. Two, also, uh, I'm I'm a brewery owner. And I want for us to reach a point where I can have as many of you in the tap room as possible or I can sling some beers to you guys and we can uh, exchange great stories, have great times because, come on, I mean, some of the best times of our lives or even regaling some of the best times of our lives is happening over an adult beverage and I want to be able to do that. So, you know, I don't want to be in a situation where I can only have like 12 people in the tap room. Come on, you can't run a business like that. No, I want to have like 40 people in the tap room and everybody's enjoying a beer and everybody's enjoying time with their friends or I'm going around to every table and I'm sharing some hilarious stories with you guys I mean that's that's what I like you know I'm nothing if I can't uh, enjoy time with you guys and I want us to have a new normal where I can have you guys in the tap room and you know smile over a beer laugh over a beer share something funny over a beer come on let's do it let's get there and the sooner the better because I'm not getting any younger (laughs) (laughs) exactly I, I agree with you right there I agree with you. I was thinking it it's coming up, the thoughts come up in my head. I've been doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes and doing stuff like that and I've thought about 
maybe having 2021 one last run of Everett Lee. I I've been thinking I've been thinking about it, but if it depends how everything goes towards like the end of the year, you know, ride it out, run it out for 2021 and if things go a different direction and at towards the end of 2021, just going to stay strapped on and keep riding, but if not, I'm pretty much thinking of just, you know, it's like, you know what? Do like the Undertaker did. Jump on his bike. This has been fun, man. This has been fun. Let me throw this one out at you. Uh, I have one guy in mind for commentary. How about you come up in September, join him at the commentary table in YouTube, uh, do commentary and play-by-play for the festival uh, I have in September. I would, I would uh, honestly, I would be honored to do that because by September, there's a lot of things that could change by then. Yep. And I would, I would need the date and time, and yes, I would. Yeah. Let's I'd, do it. No, uh, Everett, provided that there are no snafus, uh, no new pandemic surges or anything like that that get in the way, come on up in September. Uh, I will have you partner with Jim LaMotta. In fact, I think Jim LaMotta would be a great uh, podcast because he's done a lot of uh, uh, wrestling comment, uh, wrestling play-by-play uh, and commentary uh, that I think you'll hear some great stories from him, but just in general, I think the two of you, you sh- I mean, if nothing else, just for it to be a great way to cement your time, uh, I think this would be a great notch uh, on your resume to be able to help call this event and, you know, leave that uh, open. I will fill you in on details as they finalize because, like I said, I want to make sure I have all the details locked in well in advance because I don't want this to be one of those, oh, day of, I have to pivot literally everything. I don't want to do that crap. I'm too old for that. But, yeah, come come on up, enjoy a lot of beer, do some commentary for the wrestling, uh, and uh, this because this is going to be a -a one-of-a-kind event. Uh, like I said, there'll be 20 to 25 breweries there. Everybody in the building is, has access to unlimited samples, provided beer availability. I'm willing to bet several breweries kick uh, their kegs because everybody keeps going for beer. And, uh, yeah, enjoy some beer, enjoy commentary, and see some incredible talent. Uh, just to put it uh, in perspective, I invited Stan Styles, so we might even have Mean Girls there, both Stan Styles and Xavier Cross. I invited, well, actually, the runway will be there. I've got Brohemoth there. I'm going to have Zeke Mercer there. I've got OVW's Zero Gravity AJ Daniels is going to be there, Uh, and many more. Uh, Let's just put it this way. I'm shaping up uh, that roster very nicely, and you're going to see some top-notch, well-trained indie wrestling. Oh, wow. I I am. I am. I haven't I haven't done commentary since uh, October for uh, the one promotion that we parted ways mm-hmm. with, but 
hell yeah you know i'd be up for commentary i would i would if you're running an event and you need an extra guy in commentary hell yeah i would i would mind you i i, I make no guarantees but i actually put in a feeler to chavo guerrero oh nice nice chavo guerrero the guerrero family legacy man you know hector well, eddie he, he actually has a beer you know that he has a beer right I heard I heard something, but I I wasn't I haven't kept up with well, him here because, lately. Uh, it's only because of that that I thought a beer and wrestling event would appeal to him. So I, if if I get him, uh, the match I have in mind is Happy Hour and Chavo versus the Amazing Velvet and Papa Stro, as in Maestro from WCW. Oh my God. Dude, I would love to call that match right there. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling my wife we're taking a trip up to Pennsylvania in September. Her aunt yeah. lives up there in Pennsylvania. Look, yeah. you can stay at my house, all right? Uh, if you come up, if you travel up here, you can stay at my house, no problem. But uh, th just uh, I kind of gave you a little leap as far as what I'm working on. So I'm going to try to make that happen because I think that would be a fantastic event, a fantastic match for the show. Oh, my God. That would that would be great. <laughs> I'd love that, man. I'd love that. I'd appreciate that. I'd definitely appreciate that. And I... Damn, I don't know what else to say, man. I'm shocked now. I'm like, my jaws dropped on the ground. Like, inside, I'm like, uh, outside, I'm like, thank you. Thank you so much. Inside, I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's how I feel right now. Well, you know, part of it, uh, part of my motivation in that is, you know, there are a lot of people out in indie wrestling who know I'm legit. There are also a lot of people out there in indie wrestling who, for one reason or another, uh, want to talk all sorts of shit about me. You know what? That's okay. It happens in any indie uh, industry, whether it's indie music, indie wrestling, indie anything. Right. That's bound to happen. But I think, you know, if nothing else, uh, especially since I'm kind of on my way out or I'm kind of trying to sunset myself properly, I think it's important that, you know, there's an occasional flex here or there that I want to be able to kind of put forth to say, hey, you guys talking, you can't flex like this. Uh, there's a reason for that. I put in the work. I mean, I don't have to be AJ Styles to be able to have connections. Uh, yeah. I don't have to be, uh, you know, uh, Daniel Bryan to be able to be reputable. I just have to, you know, put in an honest day's work know who I am. I know who I am, I know what I am, and I know what I do. And the people who are actual pros in the business uh, appreciate that because they know who I am. I don't pretend to be something I'm not. I know what my role is on a show. I'm not the main event guy who's competing for your promotions world heavyweight championship. And that's okay because that's not what I advertise myself to be. What I am, who I am, I've never misrepresented myself. And your fans at any promotion know who I am. There's a reason why I sold a couple hundred dollars of merch in IGB and why you can't even sell one T-shirt, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's, how you, it's how you do the business, man. And you've, you've, done, you've done great. And 
you have found success in your own right in professional wrestling. And it's the it's number great. one thing, know who you are and fill the role. You know, it, it, in football, if you're a great special teams guy, don't act like you're the star receiver. Don't act like you're like the number one running back. If your uh, number one skill is being a great special teams guy, be the great special teams guy. Exactly. 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 Excel. Excel at what you are. Don't fail at something you aren't. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. I I agree. I agree with you right there. Excel at what you are. Excel. Because if you don't excel, then where are you going? Why are you here? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Why are you here? Exactly. Know who you are. Excel at that. And uh, you you will have a place. You will have a place if you show your value. Right. If you're busy failing at things that you don't have value in, you won't find your place. Right. Exactly. Just do excel in what what your passion is and what you're good at. Yeah. I agree. I definitely agree. <laughs> Any anything anything else upcoming here? that you got planned within the next few months or anything? Well, the only thing that I have going on in the next few months, in April, Intergender Bonanza 8 is going to take place uh, in Williamstown at the H2O Center. You know, Matt Tremont, uh, that is Matt Tremont's house. Yes. Matt Tremont's house. And I have to make sure I take a moment to thank Matt Tremont for housing that event. Uh, because, you know, here's the thing. With Intergender Bonanza, everybody knows that Stan Styles is putting on the show, but it's taking place at Matt Tremont's house, and I want to make sure that doesn't get lost in the mix. So respect to Matt Tremont for doing that, and respect to Stan Styles for organizing this so everybody gets their due. Nice, nice, excellent, excellent. Again, happy hour. I want to thank you for coming back on. I'm glad we got to catch up, old you know, old times and new times, and this has been great. It's always happy hour whenever you come on the Everett Lee Show. Gosh, no, dude. Seriously, we will never run out of content to talk about. That's what I enjoy about this show because there's no dead air, no dead space. Uh, we will always have something to talk about, and you know, that's. You know, only half of that is on the guest. The other half is on the host. If the host can keep that uh, wagon moving, that is a testament to a host who comes in ready to go. (laughs) Thank you so much, Happy Hour. Thank you so much. And let's plug your social media here before we close out. (laughs) Well, on Twitter, I'm Wrestler Happy Hour. On Instagram, I'm Wrestler Happy Hour. And on Facebook, you can find me at Wrestler Happy Hour. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again for coming on. And can't wait to get you back on again. Oh, would love it, dude. Would love it. You know, I will make time for you, dude. I know. As always, man. Thank you, Happy Hour, for coming back on for your third appearance here on the Everett Lee Show. And don't forget... Ladies and gentlemen, to follow the Everett Lee Show over on Facebook, Everett Lee Show, Twitter at the Everett Lore Score Lee, Instagram, Everett Lee Show, and be sure to follow, subscribe, the audio podcast on Podbeam, 
iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music. And that wraps it up for this episode of The Everett Lee Show. I'm The Everett Lee. We'll see you again next time for another episode of The Everett Lee Show. We'll be right back.